chapter 9. It is a short reading. I'm going to begin with a testimony or two, and then I'm going to uh, teach the word of the Lord as God has laid it on my heart. And we'll begin in John 9. Thank you very much. I actually just got those out of the charger before church, so I, I don't know. John's Gospel, chapter 9. Good to have each of you in the house of the Lord tonight. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Would you mind reading all of that with me again? Here we go. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Just going to talk for a little bit tonight. Um, and I don't know what that means, 30 minutes or so, about the night cometh. The night cometh. Bless your good name, Savior, we pray. We thank you for your precious word, precious people, visitors, and home folk alike. We're grateful for them. Ask you tonight, God, to feed our soul, feed our heart, feed our mind, encourage our lives, renew us, help us to leave here better than we came. We'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, look at somebody and say, the night's coming. Maybe seated. Someone said, and I read, I would say quote, but I'm reading the quote. This is the age of the half-read page, the quick stash, the mad dash, the bright night, but the nerves are oh so tight. The plane hop, just a brief stop, the lamp tan, in a short little span, the big shot in just the right spot, straining the brain only brings the heart pain, cat naps until everything else snaps, weekend vacations that we all must have, but soon the fun is all done and the night comes, unquote. Now, Every one of those lines may not fit you or I, but unfortunately, some of them apply to some of us, to me, to you. We are too often fascinated with novelty. We live in a day of sham and substitute, and millions are following that wide road. Fad, fashion, foolishness are preached everywhere from Hollywood to Madison Avenue every day, and people buy into it, invest into it, raise their kids by it, and Jesus uttered three simple words, the night cometh. I believe we should step away from the craziness of life as often as possible so that we can keep things in the right perspective. Just a few moments of refreshing Bible reading or a few sincere words uttered to God. My day is crazy. My moments are insane. My life is, is going faster than I want it to go. And we must, we must not ignore the vital and chase the irrelevant. 
We must not ignore what's vital and chase the silly and the momentary. And I'm telling you, if we can somehow, some way, just find a moment in all of the craziness of it all and just say, I'm going to get alone with my Bible for a few minutes. I'm going to get alone with my Savior in prayer for a couple of moments. Oh, oh, what God can do with a couple precious minutes of time that all the hastiness of the world is trying to take from us. And you know what? When I get away for those moments of time, and the world's pressure that is compounding upon me, you know what I find every time I really come to God in sincerity? I find the same good God I left there the last time I was there. I find the goodness of God everywhere, all the time, in every circumstance. It's amazing how I can feel so unraveled in a moment and go to the bathroom or go to the break room or get in my truck for a moment and just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you to speak to me today. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there may be, there could be so much pressure from the night upon me. But man, just a refreshing moment in the presence of God. But if we lose our grip, it's going to show up in the simple areas of my life. You ready for this? It's going to show up in that half-read page, that postponing of devotions. I'll do that tomorrow. Where it's going to show up is in those quick decisions we make without really spending time. God, is this what you want me to do? God, is this what you want me to do? Before I sign, before I go, before I this, that, or the other, is this what you want me to do? That's where... The craziness and the pressure of the world is going to show up when I don't give God a few minutes to reel me back in. How do I get out of the madhouse, Brother Marshall? By simply turning my heart back to the Lord, turning my thoughts on Him for a moment. No matter what the world is demanding from me, just taking a moment and saying, no, this moment belongs to God. This moment belongs to God. You know what I believe today? He's still able to calm the storms of life. He's still able to lift us above the shadows of the night. And I believe, Brother Hull, with all my heart, that his wisdom can be ours in a moment of time if we just simply ask. Give me wisdom, God. I'm feeling pressured to turn left or right. I'm feeling pressured to compromise or give in or do this. Will you give me some wisdom right now? Let me just leave my this part of the testimony with the, this with you as I go from testimony to the preaching tonight. Why don't we make up our mind to hold on to the true Christian values, biblical values, values that we know and love and have dedicated our life to. You know why it's so important? Because the night's coming. The night is coming. Now concerning those refreshing moments and concerning those places we go that we call daily or routine devotions, the scriptures never cease 
to impress me. Because Jesus said in John 5.39 to search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. If you're one of these, and they are they which testify of me. If you're one of these people that uh, likes to compare languages and compare translations, be sure to look at John 5.39 in the contemporary English version, CEV, and also the message translation. Now, the message translation, in my opinion, uh, and from a preaching standpoint, it's right below the NLT, you know, the new liberal translation. It, it's right below that. But when I'm looking through something and wanting a word or wanting some usage of the language that I don't possess, I'll look at every translation. And the message in particular in John 5.39 is really good, really good. So make a personal note of that. Later, check out John 5.39 in the, in the message translation. Search the scriptures. But through the years, I've been asked by people, new people and not so new people, but but most of the time, newer people. Where do I begin to read in the Bible? Where do I look at when I don't even know the difference between Exodus and Acts? When I don't know the difference between Psalms and Revelation? And I've heard people in leadership, I've heard Christians, I've heard well-meaning saints of God tell these type of people, well, it's good to begin in Matthew at the very start of it all, or be good to begin in Genesis or maybe some book of the poetry of the Old Testament. Nothing wrong with that. It's pretty good advice, but it's not the best advice. It's good advice to read, period. But if you want to direct people to where they can get the maximum amount of growth potential out of where they are now, the best advice you can give to somebody who's born again or close to being born again is start it all in the book of Acts. The reason the book of Acts is so important to new ones or even cold, uh, cold saints or backsliders is that the book of Acts reveals three major shifts or changes, if you would, that occurred on the charts of heaven. And all three of these shifts changes play a very big role in you making it to heaven. If you're looking for more than just Bible knowledge, if you're looking for something from the scriptures that can be applied to your personal life and make you a better child of God, a stronger man of God, a more devoted woman of God, start in the book of Acts. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. First and foremost, the book of Acts introduces the reader to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. In all, in all of the 43 books that are, precede the book of Acts, you do not get the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So you get something that's groundbreaking. You get something that's cutting edge in the book of Acts, and that is the introduction of the, to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Nowhere in all of the Bible up to this point in time do you see such, such dynamic change overnight, all because we've been introduced to this baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see tiny glimpses of it in the Bible. Samson was moved upon at times by the Spirit, at times. John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb and the Spirit of God moved upon 
but you don't see any lasting stories, no changes that are going to stay now until you get to the book of Acts and you see the outpouring of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me just say it this way. That revelation of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts is transformational. It will literally... I've heard people say it being silly. This pizza will change your life. Uh, I mean, this hamburger will change your life. They're joking. But I'm telling you, the book of Acts message of the baptism of the Holy Ghost will change your life. It will change your life. Out of this revelation in Acts chapter 2 particularly is born worldwide ministry. We don't see that anywhere in the Old Testament. No more turtle doves, red heifers, pigeons. But this radical explosion of the kingdom of God occurs like overnight. You read numbers like this in the book of Acts. Numbers, numerals. 12, 120, 3,000, 5,000. Most importantly, we see how John 3's command of being born again of water and the Spirit is fulfilled in the book of Acts. So it's not just a novelty that we get excited about reading about it, but we learn that unless I'm born again of the water and the Spirit, then I'm not a completely born new creature. I'm telling you what I find out when I read the book of Acts, Sister Kathy. I find out that we all need, not just the Jewish people, not just the Gentile sectors, we all need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've got to have it. It's not just so you can be empowered. It's so that you can be heaven bound, saved, punch your ticket, get your stamp, get your seal. In fact, the writer said this, Concerning those two different subjects of the one teaching of the Holy Ghost, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after. So I'm not doing anything but reasonable de deduction when I say, before you get the Holy Ghost, you don't have the power. Well, you can be religious, you can be dedicated, you can be a good person, you can have a lot of things going your way, but you are powerless concerning the kingdom of God until you're born again of the Spirit of God. And some people struggle with that. I believe everybody needs to hear it, but many people, too many people struggle with that. They believe they got the Holy Ghost when they received or accepted the Lord. And I say this reverently. I say this respectfully. You need to search the scriptures. You need to look in your Bible because the, the Bible of uh, the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 9, the writer of the book of Romans said, except we have the spirit of Christ. You don't even belong to him. There's no ownership, no seal, no approval, no earnest of the inheritance without the spirit of Christ. First and foremost, we find this introduction to the power of the Holy Ghost. What good is church without Holy Ghost power? Look, I told by the playoff. I'm not a bit. I'm not a bit worried about 
down services or up services because I know that tomorrow's going to come. Sun's going to rise. I'm going to pray again. You're going to come back again. So I don't get too up, but I'm not going to get too down. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. Put one foot in front of another. Serve the Lord. But church without the power of God, and I don't mean screaming and aisle running. I'm talking about the visible evidence of the power of God. You could feel the Holy Ghost and no one's shouting in church. You can feel the gentle move of God and everybody's weeping in church. You can move a, a you can feel a powerful move of God and no one's running the aisles. So I'm introduced to this marvel of scripture called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I want to be plain. If you don't have it, you have no power. And if you don't have it, I love you, but you have no ticket to heaven. You won't get that reading the book of Matthew. And I love that. I've, I've got first seven or eight chapters of Matthew memorized. I love the book of Matthew. It is so enlightening. It is so good. And I love Genesis. I went, I went on this little uh, crazy thing of mine one time years ago where I, I read the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy every week for like six months. I, every week I'd read it once. I don't know how many months, just because I was starved for the mind of Moses. But I'm telling you, in all of that, you won't get the necessity to be baptized with the Spirit of Almighty God. Second thing after that introduction to the power of the Holy Ghost, I find, is comes from the Greek word apostolos. And it introduces me, the book of Acts does, to the age of the apostles. Not going to get that in, in Zechariah. God, you know what I'm trying to say here. I'm not putting any other book down. I'm just saying, if you're trying to figure out where to set down roots... Where to establish habits in your devotions? Start in the book of Acts. After the apostles are introduced in the book of Acts, we see subjects like this just suddenly come into the picture. Visions, witnesses, persecutions, martyrdom. You read about prayer meetings. You read about water baptisms. You read about angelic visitations. You read about miracles, signs, and wonders. You read about lame men being healed, demons being cast out, blind eyes opened, dead people being raised. Where do you find that? The book of Acts. All in that apostolic age that we are brought into the middle of. And if you're reading the same book of Acts that I am by this time, you're starting to realize that the book of Acts is special. It's special. And I say special, I mean unique. Something inside of me is stirring when I read the book of Acts. It's not just my hunger for knowledge that's being dealt with now, but it's my faith when I read that at midnight 
You know what midnight is? Dark. Lonely. No one's with you. Nobody's banging on the drums. You're usually there just trying to get your mind to calm down at night so you can get a couple of hours of sleep. Midnight. <laughs> the night had already come. It was all over them. Here's Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail. Paul, if we wouldn't have been preaching, we might have been out there in the market square right now. Maybe resting at home with our families. But look at us. Night's coming. And at midnight, somebody in the, that little duo, that little duet, just started praising the Lord. Just started praising the Lord. When darkness was the most dominant force in their life. Oh. You know what that tells me, brother? Sister Odie, you know what that tells me? That the devil's not in control of even the dark places of my life. He's not in control of even the dark places of my life. Even though he brings all this pressure of the world on us, compromise, fold, run away, give it all up, he's not in control. Somebody with a polar side that just said, oh, but God, just a few minutes of refreshing. I love you. I need you. You've been good to me. You've been so merciful to me. And what does the book of Acts say happen? An earthquake came. And the jail cells were open. And the, and the Bible said every man's bonds were loosed. And that jailer ran in there and said, Hey, uh, what's going on here? What must I do to be saved? I'm just saying that in the book of Acts, we read about special things occurring. And my faith is stirred up. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12, the writer makes mention of the signs of an apostle are among us. Brother, when you're introduced to this apostolic era, it was not just something they told from generation to generation. There were signs and wonders. There was evidence. So we're introduced to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the era of the apostles, Ephesians 2, verse 20 built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. These men were road builders, brother. They hazarded their life for the message. Let me stay focused. Acts 11, please, and I'll read and proceed. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to none but to the Jews only, 20 and 21. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Brother, these men just preached. I appreciate Brother Bob preaching with conviction, though. 
with Holy Ghost conviction and apostolic authority. Does that make sense? What, if you're going to teach Sunday school, brother or sister, why don't you do it with some Holy Ghost power and apostolic authority? And the signs were there. Acts 17, 6 said they turned the world upside down. That's what you find in the book of Acts 1. We're introduced to this dynamo of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hey, brother, let me modernize it tonight, sis. We all need the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, you are missing out on what God has for you. It will revolutionize you, change you, empower you, enlighten you. Everybody has problems. Everybody has situations in their life. But brother, when you handle them with the Holy Ghost, it's so much better. Number one, we see in the book of Acts, trying to tell you why it's good advice to tell people where to start reading. Number one, because they immediately are thrust into the environment of the power of the Holy Ghost. Number two, they immediately see that God is using a select number of people. And finally, the third thing we see is that through the apostles' teaching, because these men would rather preach than compromise, they'd rather teach the word than go watch the latest America's Got Talent show. Because their main mission was to spread the good news and not become popular or occupy the mayor's seat. They were preaching the gospel. <laughs> we see that through the apostles, a foundation was laid. And that foundation is the third change or shift in the charts of glory. In the book of Acts, where you're sending those new converts, or those people you're trying to win to God. They see the power of the Holy Ghost. They see apostolic teaching. And they see the birth of the church. They laid the foundation for what we take for granted too often today. The bride of Christ. The body of Christ. The beloved of the Lord. They laid the groundwork. They dug out the foundational trenches. Hey, brother and sister, the church... The working of the church is what turns sinners into saints. The apostolic teaching by the power of the Holy Ghost in the church is what turns weak believers into mighty fortresses for the kingdom of God. That's why it's so important, visitor, that you're in the house of God as often as you are able to physically be there because it's taught line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And the more you get of apostolic teaching, the stronger you are and the more effective your prayer is. Love the scripture. Just jumped off the pages to me somewhat recently, a little a little time ago, but not much. 
in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Check this out. Check this out. Everybody's scrambling for a position in the church. I talked about a few weeks ago how, you know, everybody, or whenever it was recently, people um, don't want to necessarily say I'm a minister of helps, but they'd rather be in the apostolic column or whatever. You, you remember me talking about that. Look at this scripture. Paul says to be a saint is a calling. Are you in any any position at PPC or are you just a saint? I beg your cotton-picking pardon. Saints are called. That is special, brother. That is more than special. To be part of the bride is a unique position that has been called by God. Brother Richard Penwarden, you may not teach a Sunday school class, but you are so important to this assembly. If someone says, you're just a saint, oh, no. You're not just a saint. You're called of God, brother. You're called of God. Called to be saints. I hope you take a note. If you didn't get nothing else tonight, write that down. To be a saint is a calling. Don't apologize for that. But in the church of the book of Acts, you find direction. I've found direction in church. You can find strength. You certainly can find the deeper meaning to everything. Jesus commanded his apostles to build the church. The apostles commanded believers to not forsake the assembling of the church. And the church was born... On the day of Pentecost, as Acts 11, you don't have this, but if you're taking notes, Acts 11, 15, Peter said, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Peter was referring to the day of Pentecost when he got the Holy Ghost. Give that man a raise in the sound booth. He's doing good. Church didn't start with any organizational pointing to the calendar. Church began when 120 believers, of the which Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that upper room and got the Holy Ghost. History tells us, just like Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Thaddeus, Thomas, James, the left, all there. So here's, here's my little meaningless summary to everybody, but to me. Why is the book of Acts so important to new, hungry, thirsty men and women? If your kids just finally get to that place where they go, hmm, oh, now I see. I'm get, I want to get my own Bible, Dad. It's, it's a glorious time in their life when, they, when you finally realize they're going to church now because they want to go, not because Dad's dragging them. Anyway. Why is the book of Acts so important to anybody, new or not new? Because everybody needs to see where they fit in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everybody needs apostolic teaching. And everybody needs to be in the middle of the church, the local congregation, the work of God, the assembly, the bride. I said, here's what you get. The Holy Ghost, the apostles church. 
It's all in the book of Acts. That's why it's important to begin reading there. The night isn't coming anymore. It is everywhere around us. If you're not fighting more issues than you've ever fought, I want to know what you're doing. Because in the world you shall have tribulation, John 16, 33, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Persecution and tribulation are specifically itemized to your address. The night's already here, bro. It isn't coming. It's here. But I know where to go. I know where to go. If he delivered Peter, he's going to deliver you. If he got Paul out of that cell, he's going to get you out of your turmoil. If he got James out of that bind, he's going to bring your family out of it. God bless you tonight. Let's stand in the name of the Lord. So thankful, God, for your loving kindness. So thankful, God, for the work of the Spirit in our life tonight. The promise of the word and apostolic teaching in the word of God tonight. So thankful, God, for the bride, the beloved brothers and sisters in the kingdom. So grateful, God, for their work, their efforts, their love, their understanding, God. Thank you that I'm a part of it. Thank you that I am such, so blessed. I'm blessed to be a part of it, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Want to know where to go home and read tonight? Why don't we try the book of Acts? Holy Ghost, apostolic teaching, and the church, praise the name of the Lord. Bless his good name, Lord. <laughs>